0: Coulter, I was in Bozeman for the Bobcat game a couple of weeks ago, and while I was there, I went over to the corner of Jackrabbit and Baxter and headed into the brand new Cathedral of Guns, Selway Armory. It was absolutely phenomenal. Their new store in Bozeman is everything you want and more, including a Sig Sauer store right in the Selway Armory store.
1: Got some confusion from a couple people that listen to this podcast. They said, what is Sig Sauer? And they spelled it like cigarette. (laughs) But no, we're talking Sig Sauer like S I G S A E U R. Some of the best handguns you'll find anywhere. They're experts when it comes to Sig hours, as well as all other handguns, as well as all other firearms. Locations of both Missoula and Bozeman. Get your butt to that new Bozeman store. It's a beautiful store, unbelievable inventory, and those guys are experts. They'll help you find whatever it is you need.
0: Hunting season, recreation, we all have people on our Christmas list, or maybe it's you yourself. Yes, I must say, once in a while it's nice to get your own self a present. You go in there, all of the guns, ammunition, accessories that you could imagine, in Coulter, as you mentioned, absolute experts they know everything there is to know about the entire inventory they've got online selwayarmory.com montana is a gun enthusiast state it's a hunting state and selway armory is montana's firearm superstore
1: Take the Selway Armory Challenge, shop with Sellway Armory for a year. Guarantee you you're going to save money over the big box stores or anywhere else you might shop. Do yourself a favor, no matter where you're from in Montana, if you're making your way through southwest Montana, go see that new Selway Armory. And if you're in Missoula, go check out their location out Stockyard Road. Selway Armory, great products at a great price, along with world-class customer service.
2: Okay. Well, I appreciate you guys pushing things back a day. Uh, Nobody wanted to be listening to 7,000 screaming youngsters uh, while we were trying to get this done. So um, it was an interesting day at work. But uh, got some stuff done in the afternoon. Pushed things back a little bit. Obviously, uh, we're appreciative of the day off because the sacrifices are so many, and I want to recognize our veterans. Um, Yeah, I come from a military family, and um, just have so much respect for. Uh, the sacrifices that those individuals have made, and uh, very appreciative that I get to do this. And I remind our young men on a regular basis that there was generations of young men that did not get that opportunity, uh, and now do because of the sacrifices of others. So, uh, tip of the hat to our veterans. Um, coming off the um, UNC game, you know, just I really feel like it was a complete game. I think our our defense executed the game plan almost to perfection. Uh, Try to defend the run with a light box, be able to take away the RPO windows for the slants. Um, you know, catch tackle, they're going to get their, they're going to throw the ball and they're going to catch it. But we had to be great open field tacklers and minimize and limit gains. And when they took their shots down the field, uh, they needed to be about 25% on those. And they were under that. And so uh, I think it was a very, very um, well-designed game plan by Kane and our defensive staff and a well-executed game plan by our defensive players. Um, On the offensive side, again, uh, I thought an awesome game plan in terms of, you know, you look at a, a Northern Colorado team and you think, okay, this you know, they're a struggling team, but you look at them week in and week out, and they are who they are. Nobody runs the ball between the tackles on them. Very stout defense on the interior uh, of their defensive line. Their inside linebackers are active physical players, uh, but there were some soft spots on the edges. And so for us to be able to, to uh, exploit that early and, uh, and then counterpunches we talked about going on, uh, going on as the game went on, uh, worked out well for us. Very proud of the way our guys responded. Um, and uh, even after, you know, throwing a pick six and spotting them seven when it's 7-7, seven, seven, our guys just kind of right back at it, let's go to work. And then uh, the opening drive of the second half where we uh, we, we did hit an inside run play for a, for a chunk play. And I think that's when the guys started believing, like, oh, that was our counterpunch, let's get going. And then we kind of put them away with the fake punt. And so, uh, you know, hard fought, good team win, tough environment to play in, proud of the way our guys got going, and now, uh, you know, now in uh, a bigger game this week in terms of, the, the quality of the opponent that we're playing. Um, I've never been to uh, UC Davis Health Stadium. I have been to Davis, California a couple of times, but not spent much time on campus at all. Never been around the stadium, but I understand it's a really nice venue. Uh, should be a beautiful day for football, and we've got a great opponent. And so talking about Coach Hawkins and his crew, man, that guy's done a great job down there, you know, taking a program as, a, as an alum, taking a program that he obviously has a lot of pride in, and uh, uh, and passion for, and really elevating it very quickly, you can see the investment that they're making. I think they and they're under construction on a 40 million dollar student athlete success center down there. That's going to include an indoor field for football and new football offices. They've got a brand new stadium, about eight ten years old, and so and they're paying their staff. I know that from from personal experience talking to some of those guys. That this is a well compensated group of people down there, and so uh, they've got a they've got a good thing going. But it starts primarily on offense with number 15. I mean, returning All-American and deservedly slow. So, I mean, this kid's fun to watch. We didn't play UC Davis last year, but I got a chance to watch him on film a bunch. And he just, he's a very accurate passer. He can throw from a variety of arm slots, a variety of platforms, meaning he doesn't have to have his feet necessarily set underneath him all the time to be able to throw accurately. And that makes him dangerous. He's an adequate runner. He runs more to throw, but he can hurt you with his feet in scramble situations. And he's got a handful of targets. Um... You know, starting with number nine, who's their leading receiver, then it goes to number 80, who I see as kind of an emerging star for them in their offense, um, really good guy in the screen game for them. His number two, who's kind of a complimentary receiver, and then 87, their security blanket, a big target at tight end, and then you throw in the fact that they've got the league's leading rusher in number 34. And so this is a complete offense that is going to be an extreme challenge for us. Um, you know, I think that's... that's there's no easy weeks in this league and uh, and this is this is going to be one of those man. We're going to have to we're going to have to, you know, eliminate some of the explosive run plays that they've been able to get and uh, they always have a couple tricks up their sleeve and we have to be prepared for that. So, uh, very explosive, very talented offense that we're facing. I feel like, you know, the Meyer kids one of the best I've seen on the country at any level. He's a really, really good player. Um, defensively, it starts up front for him. I really like and think the interior of their defensive line is one of the strengths of their team. Uh, active, big bodies. I mean, they have a nose that's 300 listed as 329 pounds, and uh, you know, so they've got some guys in there that are hard to move on the interior of their defensive line. And they complement that with some excellent players on the perimeter. Uh, I think they've got some of the better pass rushers. Um, I'd say probably Sac State, and these guys have the best pass rush group that I've seen on tape, and uh, that says a lot. Number 53, their Sam linebacker moves around a little bit. I think he was the conference defensive player of the week. I love the way this kid plays, man. Plays with juice, energy, plays hard, physical kid, and he runs well. Number eight, their buck, uh, and they've been moving a lot of guys. Young guys are starting to emerge for him as the season's gone on, and so I really like the talent that they have in their front seven. Number 21 is a dangerous corner, uh, kind of a ball hawk, creates a lot of turnovers, and a guy that you need to be aware of when you're throwing the football. And so uh, with all that being said, uh, you know, then you throw in the special teams, their field goal kickers, 80% on the year, you know, very talented guy. They've got a kickoff returner that took one back against Weber State, which is an excellent special teams group a few weeks back. Uh, and then number one, one of their safeties is a, a very aggressive punt returner. So I think this is a complete team. You know, they've had a little bit of an up and down season when you look at the, the record, but they played a tough schedule, man. I mean, they, you know, opened up with an FBS opponent and then, you know, went and played uh, North Dakota State and gave them all they wanted. Um, you know, really gave Cal all they wanted to in the opener, and so um, you know why is, is is a question that I'm sure they're probably asking, but I know all they care about right now is how how are they going to go get that next win and, and move forward? And so with that being said, I'm happy to answer any questions.
0: Seems like both teams uh, really need this win just as far as the, the end of the season is kind of shaping up. Does that make this game any bigger than it than it might be?
2: Yeah, I, well, I mean, I think every single game in November, is consequential and big, and I don't look at this game any different than last week's game or the week before. Had we not won those, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And so this is a it's a big game for both teams um, because it's November football, and uh, we've got a we've got a really tough opponent in front of us. Um, man, I you know these are the games I like to coach in. You know I, I enjoy um, matching wits with good coaches and and uh, you know matching scheme and. But I know this at the end of the day, it's going to come down to. You know, the team that that executes at the highest level and plays with the most physicality.
1: How much different is the team attitude, atmosphere right now compared to two
2: weeks ago? Not that much different, really. You know, I mean, um, I think we've got a mature group of guys. um, And we've been through a lot together. I think I've said that on multiple occasions. It's like, you know, we remind each other that we've been here before, sometimes at halftime, sometimes on Sunday. Um, And, uh, you know, we've just got to take that next, whether it's the next man up approach, or the next play mentality—that—that's what you got to do if you want to be successful. You can't worry about what happened yesterday, and you can't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. You got to live in the moment and go play. How challenging is it to run for
1: 450 yards like he did this last week, and how much does that kind of support the identity
2: that you want for this team? Yeah, you know, I mean, you don't you don't draw it up like that. I mean, you know, there's some certainly some things that were available to us that we took advantage of, and uh, and we had some guys step up and make plays, and so. Um, I'm not a stats guy. I think you know that about me. Uh, I think stats are for losers, man. You point to that stuff when it's all said and done, but uh, what you have to do is what you got to do to win in the moment. Like, and I know you guys don't realize. Like, I went and looked at stats today just so I could quote some things because here's what I think. I think this is the this is the definition of team. This group of kids that's playing for Team 122 here at Montana State University is the definition of team. We have no superstars. Okay, we have 18 different ball carriers. 10 of whom have scored touchdowns, 8 of whom have had 20-plus carries, 7 of which have over 100 yards rushing on the season. Okay? I'm not sure there's a, a, a stat line like that anywhere in college football. You think about 5 guys that have thrown touchdown passes. 5 different human beings have thrown touchdown passes for us. 8, guys have, eight different guys have touchdown catches, and 17 have a reception. I mean, that's spreading it out. Okay. We're the number one rushing offense in the Big Sky Conference, and we don't have a guy in the top six in the league in individual rushing. This is a group of guys that cares about each other, and they're going to go do what they have to do to win. And in today's day and age where everybody wants a superstar, I think this is a very – I mean, it's kind of a unique deal. It's kind of a unique – and I think it should be celebrated. I mean, it's uh, – this is – you talk about a team. What do we have to do to win? Well, let's take our linebacker and put him at quarterback on this down. You know, let's take our safety and put him at linebacker. These guys will do whatever they, we ask them to do. And I just have a ton of respect for them. And I think it's kind of a cool, um, maybe missed story because everybody wants to see the guy that's got the 1,500 yards rushing and the 4,000 yards passing and, and the Walter Payton Award this. And, all. and, and, and hey, that's, that's awesome. And that's great for college football when you have those individual stars. And I think that's why we have things like the Walter Payton Award and the Heisman Trophy to celebrate those guys. But you know what? This is a team sport. And, uh, and I think sometimes uh, we forget that. And it's the ultimate team sport, in my opinion. Because if you got one guy doing it right and 11 guys doing it wrong, it doesn't matter. you know. Heck, if you got 10 guys doing it right and one guy doing it wrong, it doesn't matter. But uh, when guys come together and play this game the right way, it's kind of rewarding. And so uh, I just thought I'd talk about that for a moment. How much does that say about your offensive line, you know, whoever's got the ball? And even that group, we've moved some guys in and out. You know, Denver Crone has a role at times and We might ask, uh, you know, Zach to slide from center to guard or, (coughs) excuse me, even Lewis Kidd to slide from guard to tackle. And so, um, you know, tremendous job by those guys buying into their role and understanding that we don't go if they don't go.
0: How would you say that Jake Mayer and uh, Gillum kind of play off each other in that offense?
2: Well, I think a lot of it goes through the run game. Yeah, I think when they've played really well, they've gotten their run game going because then the RPO game so much more effective for them in terms of hitting some slants to some of those talented receivers they have in space, or or a little wide pop to their tight end. And so, yeah, so much of it goes through that run game. When their run game's rolling, this offense is very, very hard to stop. And uh, and that's kind of showed up. You know, I mean, the games that they've really kind of put it on people. That's kind of been how they've got it going, starting with the run game, and then uh, and then it just starts to kind of roll a little bit. They get their play action pass game going and. It can be a tidal wave. I mean, they have a lot of weapons, they have a lot of talent, and they have a, a guy operating it who's a really good player. You guys seem to be pretty selective with your with, with your extra pressure. Just how kind of key will that be in, against an offense like this one? You got to be smart about when you bring pressure against any veteran quarterback, um, but especially one where there's matchup problems all, all over the field. You know, you could have a safety on a on a six-five tight end. That's not necessarily a good matchup or. Uh, You know, some of those talented receivers, they've got a lot of uh, ways to get you in trouble. One of the things that they do that is kind of unique and I think smart is they'll play with two tight ends and they'll use a lot of tempo with two tight ends. And so when you play with two tight ends, generally that means the defense is going to be in their base personnel. And so they'll catch you in base personnel and they'll open up and run 10 personnel sets, you know, kind of open sets with those tight ends. And that puts a lot of pressure on the, on the defense because, um, you know, we've got to be smart about when we sub, how we sub, and who we play through downs with because they'll catch in uh, a favorable matchup group and they'll just kind of roll with it.
1: You haven't seen Gilliam in person. How would you describe his running style? Give me have any comparison?
2: Yeah, not, not, not so much as comparison. I mean, just the, the things that stand out, I mean, he's, he's a complete back. You know, mean, he's very good for them, uh, catching the ball out of the backfield, in the screen game, as a check down guy, Jake finds him a lot in that regard, uh, breaks a lot of tackles. That's the thing that stands out to me. We've got to be excellent tackle. We've got to bring our feet and wrap up when we go after this guy, because like all good backs, he can create. You know, you're not always going to block it clean. You're going to have to make a guy miss or, or, or break a tackle, and, and that's the quality that I think that he possesses the most, is his ability to uh, get those yards after contact. What has Tyron Marshall done to you know, move into a, a more prominent role? He's been available. <laughs> I mean, that's, um, you know, I think that uh, he's a guy that flashed early in fall camp and made some catches and did some stuff with the ball in his hand, and he's, he's a very confident young man, and he's, uh, he's got a, a nice skill set for us. But then he kind of had an injury, backed off a little bit on him, didn't get as much playing time. Um, you know, some other guys emerge. And then as the season goes on, there's an injury here, there's an injury there, and you get your opportunity. And he took it full advantage of it. I mean, the first couple of times he touched the ball, you're like, yeah, we probably need to make sure this guy touches the ball a little bit more. And so, um, yeah, that's, that, I think that's the, the main reason is that uh, when, the, when opportunity knocked, he answered the door coming off of two dominant performances and facing a team that's so much better, excuse me, so much better than their record. Is it difficult to get the team up to where they need to be as far as motivation goes? I I think, again, I think you got to look at the film. I mean, I think these guys, they know who Jake Meyer is. They know who Gilliam, I mean, you know, they know who these guys are because they were the superstars of the league a year ago. And, uh, and then you just turn the, the tape on and you go, Oh, look what they're doing against North Dakota state. Look what they're doing against the university of California. Um, I'm pretty sure that we're getting that version of this team, you know, not the version of that the team that went to Southern Utah and eked out a win or whatever, you know. So Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, they've maybe had a little bit of an inconsistent season, but we don't anticipate that being the case on Saturday. I mean, it's going to be Senior Day for them, a lot on the line, as we've talked about. I mean, we know the team that we're going to get, and uh, we'll have, you know, they're they have our attention already. Let me just say that we're not we're not overlooking anything. I mean, this is a all eyes are on UC Davis right now. What have you liked about Bobby and, you know, what he brings to coaching the, the linebackers? You know, he, he's a good teacher. I mean, I think that's one of the things that stood out to me. He's a good communicator. He's, I, I always thought, you know, you think you're hiring this former All-American linebacker. And um, I actually had been around his brother a little bit more than I'd been around him. His brother's a little more high-strung. And, uh, and Bobby's kind of got a calm demeanor. And, uh, you know, at first I was like, can, we get, can you give me a little more juice here, man? And, uh, you know, but everybody's got to be who they are. And I think that's one of the things I really respect about Bobby is he kind of knows who he is. He knows what works for him. He's developed a really good rapport with the young man in the room. Um, I think they understand how he goes, breaks things down and teaches things. And I think that our linebacker play is, you know, has really elevated under his tutelage this year. I think he's also got the title of assistant head coach. What goes into that for him? Just if I have a heart attack, he takes over. <laughs> <Okay. So. laughs> Which, you know, there's always that possibility, knock on wood.
1: Yeah. You spoke a little bit about Nick Eaton, 53. Mm-hmm. Uh, how impressive has his play been being a freshman? What does it take to, to get him to be able to produce like, yeah, like
2: think that? Yeah, I freshman, right? Richard freshman. Yeah. Uh, so he's been in the program, understands what's going on. But, man, he, I don't know how they kept him off the field as a, as a true freshman, watching him play, I mean, unless he just, you know, added another 15, 20 pounds or something. I imagine he was probably a little slight out of high school. That's probably why he got overlooked. But he, the, the motor that the kid plays with is very impressive. Uh, and, he's, and he's kind of a polished pass You know, a lot of guys, he's a two-to-one guy on his long arm. There's some nuances that he has to his game as a pass rusher that belie his youth, so to speak. And so I think that's been something i was been really impressed with. But at the end of the day, defensive football is about passion and effort. And uh, there's no doubt that he has that. And he has a bundle of that, man. And I just like the way the kid plays.
0: Do you crossover with Coach Hawkins?
2: and now, well, We know each other. Yeah, we know each other. Um, probably the biggest connection on the staff right now is a young man by the name of Brandon Hupert, who was my GA when I was at the University of Washington. So he worked with me on special teams and with the D line for two years, and he's the defensive line coach at uh, at Davis. And there's a lot of similarities between what they do on defense and what we do on defense, uh, even technique-wise. You can see it. There's some line games that, you know, I'll ask him, Hey man, you go so switch flush last week against Portland State. You know, I'll give him rib him a little bit before the game, but he's a great kid. And you know, Coach Hawk's a guy that's you know, been around football a long time at a lot of different levels, was very successful. Uh, Division Three coach at Willamette, and then obviously his success at Boise State, and then went on to the University of Colorado, CFL, USA football. He's passionate about the game. And, uh, and he's, I, you know, he's an alum, man. I mean, he's, he's back home. And uh, like I said, they've made an investment in football there, and it's showing. The combination of Bryce and Andre and Troy um, just kind of how has that affected the rest of the defense, just in terms of different things you guys can do? Yeah, you know, it kind of comes back to my statement earlier about us being a team. And I think that, you know, you mentioned Bryce, Andre and Troy, and those guys have the ability to get after the quarterback and do a variety of things. But I think you also have to throw into the mix guys like JoJo Henderson, who's a, doing a great job in his role. And, and you know, I mean, Josh Hill, I think, has changed our defense a bunch. And then Callahan O'Reilly, that the improvement that he's made. And so, you know, it doesn't happen if you don't have Chase Benson doing his job on the interior and Derek Marks is a guy that really owns his role and is a, is a quiet, solid leader, one of the best guys in our in our program. And so I just – I hesitate to, to really lock into one guy or another. I think the reason that we're playing well is because we're playing together.
0: But <clears throat> having said that, how much has Troy's uh, performance elevated, would you say, in the last three, four games? Nice. And I think it's
2: been a while. I mean, I think Bill always has the – you know, he's like, oh, over the last five games, this is kind of who this guy's been. And I think some of it is him just getting more comfortable within the scheme. But I also think playing with those other guys around him and knowing how Braden Conkle is going to respond in a certain situation. I mean, those two guys had some really good disguise stuff for us on Saturday that I think helped us. And we're going to need to continue to build on that. So his comfort level as a defensive player, because he's played more downs, and then, you know, his explosiveness and his ability. Like there was a, there was a moment in the game last week where they had number 10, their deep threat. And he was matched up basically in a man situation on Troy. And immediately, Nip being a veteran guy, he says, oh, they got a linebacker on our speed receiver. We're going to take that. Well, it's a little different matchup, you know. And, uh, and I think that's one of the things that really changes the game for us. When you can say, hey, our Sam linebacker can take anybody you got man to man. That's a hard, you know. I mean, I'd take that matchup too. If I saw the Sam linebacker on my speed receiver, I'm going to throw the ball there too. But he's stride for stride with the guy. And so uh, I think he's just gotten more comfortable. Give updates
1: on Travis Johnson or Isaiah Fosse.
2: You know, I think we're kind of in the same mode with both of them. Uh, we're hopeful, uh, and uh, but we'll, you know, we'll plan for for other guys being up and ready to go. Willie Patterson, will he be available for the rest of the season? Yeah, it, you know, yes, <laughs> yes, he will. Yeah, so it's good to have his energy back. But yeah, he'll he'll be back.
1: Kind of talk about the shifting offensive line guys around, um, you know, with Mitch. I mean, just kind of how dependable, because I think he's up to like 45 consecutive starts now.
2: Yeah, he'll tell you exactly how many. Yeah. Uh, he's very proud of that, and he should be. I mean, for a guy playing on the offensive line to have that many consecutive starts is, a, is very impressive. And uh, his durability combined with his ability and his toughness uh, make him a very unique player.
0: You guys talk at all at this time of year about, you know, if we win one more game, we're probably in the conversation for the, for the tournament or, or the...
2: Behind closed doors, you know, I mean, I think every, that's, you know, you know, you don't have to be a genius to figure that out, but this is all chips on the table this week. This is it, man. This is everything to us right now. You know, we know this is a huge game for us, for our program, uh, for, you know, any other stuff you want to talk about down the road is completely meaningless to me because it's all about... Playing University of Cal-, Cal Davis at UC Davis Health Stadium at 4 o'clock on Saturday. It's 75 degrees and sunny. And, you know, I'd much rather have them come up here. I guarantee you it'd be a little different environment up here. But, uh, you know, we got to go down there and play and play in a tough environment against a really, really good football team. And it should be a good college football game. Good? Thanks, guys.
0: Coulter, the weather has turned. It is gnarly out there. It's gnarly on the roads. But in Montana, that doesn't keep us home. We go everywhere we got to go. You and I always traveling for football. I'm going to be headed to some other places for Christmas, all this kind of stuff. You know what gives me comfort? I know that I'm always about 11 feet from a town pump superstore. I mean, no matter where I am in the state of Montana, you got gasoline, you got all the refreshments you need. The kids got to have, you know, a, a, a packet of gum, some chips, some water to keep them going, keep them satiated and satisfied in the backseat. And you know what other S word? Silent. Shut them up, those kids. You go to Town Pump and you got yourself some peace and calm in the van ride. I, sh- I should pay them $1 million for what they've done for me.
1: I always hit up that Town Pump right when you get over Homestake Pass,
0: uh, right in Rocker there because of, yeah.
1: uh, I always run out of the spray fluid for the windshield. And the mm. semis are spraying on you. When it gets cold and icy and snowy like this, you got to have the right fluids in your car, and Town Pump's got that covered as well. And sometimes you need a beer for after the drive. So get yourself a six-pack, drink it when you get home, behave yourself. But it is. It's a great place no matter what you need. Fuel, food, caffeine, water, anything. And who knows, maybe you throw
0: a dollar in the machine, you walk away a winner, too. I mean, you got all these different ways to recreate, stretch your legs on the highways.
1: No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a town pump near you. Town pump, Montana's best since 1953.